A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert Mike Schreiber. Mike is a New York photographer. His work has been featured in Esquire Magazine, Rolling Stone, Trace, New York Magazine, to name a few. In 1999, Schreiber covered Woodstock 99 for Spin Magazine. 20 years later, he's published Woodstock 99, a book of never-before-seen photos of the festival. Let's hear what he has to say about his experience at Woodstock 99. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So you've had a long, extensive career. How did it lead you to Woodstock 99? <laughs> well, in 99, I mean, I started shooting in like 96, 97. So, um, uh, and I'd been shooting live stuff for Spin for, uh, for like a year probably at that point. Like any shows that came through New York that they covered, I usually got to shoot them. So uh, it was just natural that I would do Woodstock. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was the lucky one. So <laughs> how do you, uh, you know, what's it like being a photographer for these big events? Do you go with a plan? Is there improv? Um, well, I mean, with that, you know, I'd never done a big event like that before. I'd just done, uh, I mean, I was like 26 at the time. And I had wow. done, you know, like, like most of the shows were, you know, it was just like either at clubs or at the garden or stuff like that, but never a big festival. Um, 
And there was a plan because, you know, it was for the magazine. So they had to sort of have their angle. And it was I was so it was like split up between two groups. And there was a group called Lit. I don't, I'm sure you don't know. No. <laughs> um, they were a rock group. OK. And the, like the first day I was sort of like shadowing them. And, uh, and then the next day I was shadowing Everlast. Mm. Um, cause you know, he had that big hit song at the time post house of pain and, uh, you know, but then they also had their list of acts that they wanted covered, you know, and then there was like backstage. So it was like part, it was like loosely organized, you know? Um, but there wasn't like a, like there wasn't like, a ton of freedom in terms of shooting bands. Cause you kind of had to, you had to have the credential beforehand. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I had all access for everything. Cause it was spin, you know? So you're, you're fresh. You're a newbie uh, to this experience. You're fresh faced. You're getting, you're, you're arriving at Woodstock 99. What is the vibe? What, what's it like when you first get to the festival? What were your first impressions? Well, I'd have to go back to my diary to find exactly, uh, you know, this is like like 22 years ago. Uh, Please go on, read. (laughs) Well, it was a warm day. I mean, honestly, what I remember about it was a, how hot it was. Mm. It was like scorching. And, you know, it was, it wasn't at the old Woodstock site. It was on like a decommissioned air force base. So it was just, it was concrete. Like the whole thing was concrete. And um, I mean, I mean, I would just remember that there were a lot of people, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and just like, where do we start? Like, where do we go? Where do we get cr- the credentials? How do I get backstage? And, you know, you know, so my, my experience was different because I wasn't buying, you know. Right four dollar water or you know i was able to sort of escape backstage and air conditioning and water and food and stuff like that and bathrooms <laughs> yeah. wow so you're you're vip at this point yeah, just yeah, the yeah. fact that you had a bathroom is exactly. like <laughs> exactly exactly uh, but could, were there any red flags from from the start that you can pinpoint now looking back maybe something you wrote in your diary yeah. I mean, other than uh, Limp Biscuit and corn being on the bill. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, listen, you know, it was like, you know, it was like, it was like the epitome of the late 90s music, you know, it, yeah. was, it was super aggressive. Um, a lot of bros, you know, yeah. <laughs> a, lot <of> bros. <laughs> a lot of sunburns. I remember a lot of sunburns and just like, just make you know it's just like kids like getting like really being wild like super crazy and 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 another impression that i have is it was really disorganized in terms of security in terms of like it really i do remember like like what the fuck like this is crazy because there were so many people but it's it seemed like everything hadn't really been thought through beforehand, you know. So, yeah. But again, I had 
an escape route. <laughs> right. You know, I wasn't camping or, you know, like if, if, if I was there as a patron, you know, the minute I saw the toilets overflowing, I would have left, you know, <laughs> like I, I need a, I need it's a, good. It's good to know that at 26, you, you had that uh, instinct. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I don't like discomfort. I never have. So, you know, as long as I'm comfortable and I can shoot all the discomfort, it's fine. You know, but if I'm part of the discomfort, it's not okay. You know, I need to be hydrated. You spend a lot of time with the artists backstage uh, before and during their sets. What were some moments that stood out to you? Um, What was the general sense behind the scenes uh, did they think it was getting out of control? What, what was the vibe? I mean, I, I remember it being super chill, you know, I mean, it didn't really get out of control until the last night. So, you know, and it was, it was interesting cause like the, the, the lineups were so sort of eclectic, you know, like during the day you had Dave Matthews and Jewel and, you know, Alanis Morissette and Willie Nelson and then literally, and there would be girls and everybody was happy and face painting and stuff. And then literally like when the, when the sun went down, it was like darkness, <laughs> literally. Wow. You know, and it was like, then the lineup was like corn and Limp Bizkit and, you know, Rage and Metallica, you know? <laughs> so the biggest thing I remember from backstage was, I remember I was there and MTV was like, interviewing you know i don't even know like huge names and then this buzz started like circulating backstage and everybody was like you know everybody from like the chili peppers to the smallest groups everybody was excited because word was that willie nelson's bus was 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 coming (laughs) and and willie nelson was going to be there so like everybody was like holy shit, Willie Nelson is coming, you know? <laughs> and so that was pretty cool, you know, because it was like, you know, and I was really surprised because Willie Nelson's only like five foot four. Like he's a tiny guy. Uh-huh. I just assumed he was like a giant, you know, cowboy type, but he's very small. So he's not a uh, a crowd surfer, mosh pit kind of guy. Like oh, no, me, he, he you know? crowd surfed. Yeah. Oh, Will- he did. <laughs> um. So, you know, there's a lot of finger pointing that uh, at Limp Biscuit and Fred Durst um, having stirred up the violence at the festival. Yeah. I mean, is this an accurate depiction? Did you feel like they were really they were really instigating this? I mean, generally in life, I blame in Limp Biscuit for everything. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the state of the world, global warming, it's all Limp Biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, listen, I think I, I I think it was just it was building up. And I think that there was a lot of violence before Limp Bizkit, You know, there was a lot of violence the first day, you know, uh, I think it was just like. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, like Limp Bizkit is sort of like the. The, you know, what's the word? Um when you're sick and things show up, like when you're coughing. Oh, symptoms? Yeah, they yeah. were just they're a, like uh... a symptom. They were like a symptom, you know, okay. of the overall sickness, you know. And, and you know, I mean, people were like, really, you know, the crowd was really treated like shit by wow. the 
by the organizers. You know, it was crazy hot. You know, they were price gouging the water, the food, you know, the toilets were all overflowed the first day. You know, it just seemed like it was just misery. Like it just seemed, everybody just seemed miserable. And then, you know, for the girls, you know, it's a whole other situation, you know, like, I mean, I have pictures of girls being groped and, you know, yeah, I've seen some of them. It's, you know, and it's just like, yeah, and it was, and it's not like, you know, it's not like it wasn't covered, you know I mean? It was like, it was covered live by a lot of like outlets and MTV and, you know, so I, I mean, I know at like in live in, in, in real time, they were talking about the violence and the assaults and stuff like that. It's not like all this stuff came out, came out after the fact, you know, while it was going on, it was like known on TV that this was going on, you know? So, I mean, I I would say the organizers for sure, because, you know, it was just like, it was like, it was like uh, Lord of the Flies, like just people were, you know, if you treat people like animals, they act like animals, you know? And I think people were just fed up. And then, you know, that particular type of music is like super aggressive. So, and drugs and alcohol and, you know, it's like, it's really, and, and lack of, lack of um, security, you know, lack of cops, lack of consequences, you know, it's like, what do you think's going to happen, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it, but so by the third day in the festival, I mean, where were you mentally at this point what, as you're watching all of this? I mean, honestly, I think I was just really tired, you know, because it was, <laughs> it was really just nonstop. And it was so hot. Like, I can't stress how hot it was. So just drank, just totally drained. Um, but also, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, it's still exciting. You know, it's like Rage Against the Machine is on. And I remember during their set, um, it was just like the only way out of the crowd was to crowd surf to the front and be pulled out by security. Wow. Yeah, because it was it was tight. So it was just like it was just like kids just just one after the other just going into the pit, just like being pushed, you know, whether it was because they didn't feel well or they just wanted to get out of there or whatever. Um, it was just a sea of kids. And then it got so dangerous that security made all the photographers leave the pit. Wow. Because, yeah, no, I'm, and I remember like a, like a security guys had like bloody noses because they were like kicked in the face, you know, and it's just, it was crazy. I mean, it was crazy. And that was before Limp Biscuits. So, and that was before uh, the Chili Peppers and all that. So, you know, it was just, uh, it was just, it was just mayhem. Like, I just remember being like mayhem. And then when the fire started, I, I really just wanted to get out of there. Cause like, I know people like after the fact were like, Oh, why didn't you shoot the fires? I'm like, why would I go running to like, I'm not the type who goes running to the the fire. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like I'm, I'm a music photographer. You know what I mean? Um, so it was just like, they were like, they were literally lighting the place on fire, you know, like there were explosions and I'm not. So I've, I, I got out of there. You so know? you just left. 
Well, there was like a, there was like a house that we were staying in. So yeah, I, I, but like backstage, it was calm. Like there was nothing going on, you know? Um, but yeah, no, I left. I, <laughs> I've seen some of uh, your photos of the aftermath where there's uh, some empty trucks. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You, I, I'm assuming you went back to just kind of see, <laughs> see yeah. how it all ended. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. Um, instead of going back to the city, uh, the magazine asked me to stay and sort of shoot like what it looked like after the fact. Um, so I did. And, and it was just like, yeah, I mean, there was like 18 wheelers that were just, they, I mean, they were, they exploded, you know, it was just these shells of trucks with like hundreds of, you know, soda bottles and stuff all over the place. And, um, and it's funny because, I was just wandering around taking pictures and I think I was with a writer and uh, there, there was like um, these guys, they were kind they were kind of like teamster type guys. And, the, and, you know, one of them, this big dude, one of them stopped me. He's like, Hey, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I'm just taking pictures for, for spin. He's like, all right, do me a favor. Why don't you spin around and get out of here? <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, I'll just leave now. <laughs> you know? But it was just like, uh, what's happening? You know, it's just so like everybody knows what happened here. Like, you know. Well, yeah, th- this is what I'm curious. I feel like the festival producers um, later tried to blame it on on MTV. Yeah, uh, and 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 many other media outlets. Um, and they said that they were exaggerating the events happening at the festival. Right. What are what's your thought on that? I mean, being there as someone who's literally taking photos of the event. I mean, you know, it's like it was. I don't know how MTV could exaggerate it because they were filming it. You know, so you know, it's, it's kind of like the original fake news or something (laughs) like, you know, like who are you going to believe me or your lying eyes, you know? Um, You know, it was a tourist event at, at, at Woodstock, but no, I mean, it's like, if I was the organizers, I'd blame someone else too, you know? (laughs) So, cause that's a lot of lawsuits that you might have to deal with. Interesting. But no, I mean, it was, it was obvious. Like, I mean, People were being like, went, like girls were being attacked. Uh, there was a lot of violence. The place burned down. You know, like I don't unless unless MTV burned it down for for TV, then you know I don't know how. And it wouldn't have burned down if there was more security. You know. Okay, interesting. So, at the end of the day, uh, if you had to pick one person or thing, it could be a concept that is to blame for the shit show that was Woodstock 99, who or what would that be? Donald Trump. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I was going like, I knew it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he probably was behind it. Like, who knows? Um, Who or what? I mean, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it seems like every decade has their like finale. You know, Interesting. it's like Altamont for the 60s. And I don't know what it was for the 70s, like punk or, you know, whatever. 
but it was just kind of like the culmination of just this sort of like shitty way of living, I guess. Um, wow. So you, you would chalk it up all to the grand finale of the 90s. Well, I mean, I wouldn't really chalk it up to anything, but it was just sort of like on a, like I really think it was a it was a combination of a lot of factors. It was heat. It was being price gouged. Yeah. It was um <clears throat> the type of music and the type of people that that music attracts. And then the fact that it was three days, you know, it's not like, you know, you go to go to Lollapalooza, it's one day and then you go home. This is like people were living there. You know what I mean? Like, just like, it was just fucked up. You know, it was just like nonstop fucked up, (laughs) you know? And then by the end, it's just, you know, and it's not like now where, you know, everybody is like a documentarian, you know, everybody, everybody documents their entire life and, you know, it's in real time and you can see, like, I have friends whose kids I've never met, but I've seen them grow up for five years. You know what I mean? Like, I know their friends' names, (laughs) (laughs) but like, you know, so it was a totally different time in that the people documenting it were people like me and MTV and, you know, kids with like disposable cameras and stuff. But, you know, and also I think it was different in that um, men have a different attitude now towards seeing violence against women and lack of um, uh, accountability. And like, I, I, I feel like now more people would step in. I mean, I'd like to think that. I don't know if that's actually true, but <laughs> you'd like yeah. for that to be the case. Um, but, you know, then it was just like, it, it was sort of like anonymous, like there's cameras everywhere, but, but you, you, you're not, you're not, we weren't as conscious of being documented as we are now, you know? So I think it was just a lot of stuff. But the, the organizers, for sure, just, just because of the security standpoint, you know? And, like, the minute a fire goes up, there should be, like, it should be stopped. <laughs> you, you think? Know? You think? <laughs> <laughs> so, and there was just no one, like, I, I, like, I heard that, um, you know, like, people would volunteer to be security, and then once they get in, they would just take the shirt and throw it in the garbage and just stay at the concert, you know? So it's like crazy. <laughs> yeah. What a scam. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah, Mike, thank you so much for, for, you know, joining us today and, and just talking to us about what it felt like to be there. Uh, from what I'm hearing, I feel like a, if, if we had had iPhones back then, maybe this whole thing wouldn't have happened. Uh, lack of iPhones um, is the lack of iPhones. We need, <laughs> we need, yeah, yeah. We, we needed uh, the, the invention of the iPhone to come just a few years earlier. Yeah. And IG uh, live. That's right. <laughs> broadcast live by 3 million people instead of just MTV, you know? Well, yeah, no, it was, it was wild. It was, 
it was stupid. It, like looking back at the pictures, I was like, oh my God, this is exhausting. Like looking at the pictures is, is, is exhausting. Yeah. Finally, I, I just wanted to ask you before we go, you know, looking back on it, how is your perspective of what happened at the festival shifted? Um, I mean, we knew it was crazy then, you know? So, yeah. I mean, looking like now as someone in my late forties, as opposed to mid twenties, it's, I mean, it's kind of gross, you know, it's like looking at the pictures, it's like, mm, like what might've been sort of funny then is just kind of like, eh, it's not so funny. But what, what really freaks me out is just knowing that everybody in those pictures is in their forties now, you know? Oh God. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like, oh, wow. But, but no, I mean, my perspective hasn't changed. It was horrible then. You know, and it's it's still horrible. So, I mean, I'm glad that I was there, and I'm glad that I got to document it and have the experience. But um, you know, I'm glad that I had the experience from sort of like a you know, I wasn't like I, I didn't have to be in the crowd. You know, yeah. So well, thank you so much, Mike, uh, for joining us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. 
get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Alarmist. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Hello, Rebecca. Hello to the Alarmy. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hello. How about that? Like, we, we were getting behind the scenes, uh, real life testimonials <laughs> about the festival. <laughs> you know what yeah. struck me, too, is that Mike, uh, such a cool, laid back guy. Yeah. Um, and like, I think if I were a photographer, I think par- like part of being around musicians is you have to be cool. Totally. Mm-hmm. You know what I, I mean? Assume. For yes. them to trust you. Oh. Oh, yeah. And so I just think like there's probably like maybe something to go on the board about like too many cool people. Yeah, too many cool people. <laughs> <laughs> no, no alarmists. Like you don't you don't get a lot of yeah, alarmists. I, I'll never be a uh, musician's photographer. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine me oh, backstage? No. <laughs> they would sniff you out right away. Oh yeah. They'd be like, oh, Rebecca, go crowd surfing. And they would be like, you'd be like, I don't want to. And you'd be like, come here. I'm going to throw you onto the crowd. <laughs> oh, just what Mike was saying about how to escape the mosh pit, you the only way out was to crowd surf. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> this, is, this is not a functional exit. Like, <laughs> you know how when you go to a movie theater, they're like, these are your exit yes, signs. No. Like, you know, lead the way. That's not, that's not acceptable. <laughs> no, it definitely isn't. But he had he made some really good some really good points. Um, was there anything specifically that like you think we missed putting on the board? I can't remember if we put heat up on the board. We didn't. I checked on this. We oh mentioned the heat, but it did not specifically make it up to the board. Goodness gracious, what were we thinking? Climate change? <laughs> Are we mother mother nature? <laughs> Have we lost our mind? It feels like the first thing. Uh, that everyone says when they talk about Woodstock 99 was that it was so hot and mm-hmm. we we just totally overlooked heat. Well, you, we didn't overlook it because you did mention like, you know, the yeah. planners should have known better. Right, right. And also that plays into the choice of venue, which was up on the board. Uh, we could have gone right. a little bit harder on concrete, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it falls under the organizers in the sense That's that true. they could they could have done it in September, October, right? Yes, but here's the thing. We have recently been learning about these heat waves uh, Mm -hmm. based on our our episode uh, a few weeks ago. And late 90s, this is when they started to ramp up because the the deadly heat wave in Europe uh, was in 2003. So, and if if you recall from our guest expert, this kind of thing was starting to happen every two, three years. Mm. Um. That would have been pretty like uh, ahead of the curve thinking if the if the organizers were like climate change, heat waves, patterns like we can't have this. Uh, I don't know. This. You should have known. Check check the weather. Check. <laughs> <laughs> but I do take your point that like pa- yeah, weather patterns that's got to factor in. It was it, and the heat should have just we just put should have put the heat on the board. yeah. Well, and I, how about when he said like. Three days was just too long. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. I really thought that we could have put something like overstaying your welcome on the board because <laughs> if, if the festival had just been like maybe, you know, a 6, p- 6 to 10 p.m. <laughs> like, like a fun dinner. 
Yes. <laughs> Although it's never fun to put, you know, an end time when you send out invitations to your dinner party, but sometimes you have to. That's this is true. why we can't be music photographers. <laughs> That's why we rely on social cues. You know, there are certain things you have to say and do when you want somebody to leave. Yeah. It's harder to do that in the context of a music festival. Yeah. Now, another thing he said that I thought was really interesting was when he was talking about the the bookend of the 90s. Yeah. It was like... Yeah. There was all... The way he was talking about it was almost like an inevitability, you know? Yeah. And we talked about this in terms of Y2K. Oh, yeah. Just a general growing anxiety of cha- of change, of shifting uh, of an era. I mean, not only it's at the end of uh, the um, decade, it's the end of the century and the millennium. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we, just to recap for everyone, we sent the producers to jail, and then we slapped late 90s anger and aggression and the white guy festival goers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I-, I do think actually what... Mike said really supports our verdict. I think so too. When he was talking about, uh, and you wrote this down in your notes, this veil of darkness that descended upon uh, the night. Oh yeah. It really felt like one of those purge movies. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Right? Like, (laughs) yeah, like a horror film. (laughs) Totally. I know. And that is the, 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 the crowd i mean he's talking about the people who were at the festival this had nothing to do i mean you can't blame the organizers for attracting this kind of crowd um but there there is some fault so i i think i stick to our verdict what do you think yeah i mean just on that point i thought his very one of the very first things he said that struck out to me was like you were like what were your first in, or what did you? What were the red flags or something? He's like, well, Limp Biscuit and Corn were the headliners. Yeah. So yeah. he kind of like it to me. That speaks to the way that the bands are um, ordered because they put the headliners at the end of the night or like at nine or ten, like nine, ten, and eleven are like the big shows or whatever. Yeah. And those were, I think, on the second night it was Metallica. On the third night it was. Uh, or red hot chili peppers yeah the and, peppers yeah. And, and i think like so there is a, a something to that where we maybe could have gotten into how these bands are organized i mean i think it's by popularity at the moment and like value at the moment so you're saying if there was a 3 p.m limp biscuit show yeah, like, well, like, it wouldn't have been so bad i mean like, like 11 a.m like a brunch <laughs> or fi- <laughs> <laughs> Limp biscuit, and they could tie that into the brunch right. menu. You oh could, they God. could serve limp biscuits, <laughs> chicken and biscuits, like like a fried chicken and waffle situation. Mimosas and limp biscuits Mega at eleven. Death at nine thirty, right before corn, corn, corn and limp biscuits for for brunch. <laughs> and red hot chili peppers—they're all yeah, brunch related. Jesus, them, yeah, that was a missed opportunity. Put put, put it all on top of a bloody mary, and <laughs> and you know yes. that. That all goes back to organizing. So had we organized mm-hmm. this event, I think I think the outcome perhaps would have been a little different. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, I I I stick to it. I think we I think we've done our work here. Now, before we wrap up, I just would like to read a couple of reviews. Oh, hit us. 
because we've been having some great reviews uh, rolling in on Apple Podcasts. And I just want to shout out to Gabby BLM, one of my faves, five stars. I love listening to this podcast when I'm cleaning, driving, or working out. Honestly, just feels like I'm part of a conversation in someone's living room. Mm. I also love the aftermath because it allows the audience to have their opinion be heard. 10 out of 10 would recommend. That's nice. I love I love to think about our listeners being productive while they're listening to the show. Oh, podcasts Cleaning. are the only way I can clean, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and then we have one called Crazy Teach, Fun and Informative, five stars. I love, love, love this podcast. It's such a unique way to learn about the events in our history. I am really appreciative of the follow-up episodes with the guest experts. So that's we love the feedback on the guest expert episodes. We like those as well. Yeah, good to know that there people are enjoying the aftermath. It's always humbling to know that somebody knows a little bit more about something than you do, which is rare for me. (laughs) Is it humbling? It's very humbling for me. me. (laughs) I I sort of wander around the earth sort of. I feel like I know everything. Yeah, Chris doesn't need a. I don't know if you guys know this, but Chris doesn't need a computer to fact check. No. Have you guys been thinking I've been looking these facts up? Oh, my gosh. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Chris calls the guest experts his guest peers. Um, but also, you know, in addition to rating and reviewing the podcast, other ways you can support us is to purchase merch. That's a fun way. And mm. that's at erios.net. And you'll see our store there, the Alarmist store. And um, also, you can, if you want to give us a little tip just to show that you're enjoying the show, uh, we link to ACAST supporter in the show notes. And so that money just goes straight to the Alarmist bank and it helps us support the show. So just, it's been a while since we've announced any of those things. So just wanted to put that out there yes good call and we thank the alarmy uh for being such loyal listeners and uh well tune in next week because we are going to be discussing the death of versace fashion industry perhaps here we go Erios. Powered by ACAST.